Today we are thrilled to be joined by David Bernard. David has been building apps for the iPhone dating way back to 2008, which was the year the iOS App Store officially launched. So he has truly been involved in the app space since the very beginning. To this day, David is still building apps, but he also works with RevenueCat as a developer advocate. RevenueCat is used by the world's leading apps to build, analyze, and grow subscriptions on iOS, Android, and the web. Get ready to learn all about subscription-based apps and numerous techniques to increase app purchases from a seasoned app veteran. Hello and welcome to another episode of the App Growth Show. I'm Jennifer Sansone from AGN and today we are joined by David from Revenue Cat. Hello, David. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so you are here to talk to us about some very interesting topics, um, in-app subscriptions, in-app purchases, all things that people always have so many questions about. So let's start off basic. Why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and about Revenue Cat? Sure. Um, so I started building apps for the iPhone um, pretty much the day Steve Jobs uh, took the stage in 2008 and announced the iPhone SDK. Um, so I'm an indie developer. I actually never learned to code. I started to learn to code, um, you know, within within that week of of the iPhone SDK announcement, and then. Uh, realized that uh, it was going to take more than a few weeks to learn. And so I hired a contractor and I've released, gosh, 25, 27 apps on the app store now, uh, had millions of downloads, millions of dollars of revenue uh, over the, the 14 years I've been doing it. And um, <clears throat> in 2015, I started uh, transitioning my apps to subscription and released a, a weather app with subscriptions in 2017 and started beating my head against that wall. Uh, it is very complex issue. Uh, we had bugs with our, our subscription management where um, our monthly subscription wouldn't renew properly. And so we had to completely remove our monthly subscription because of a bug. And I just wanted my, you know, the developers I work with who, you know, most of us, I was either paying hourly or partnering with them and they had limited time. And I just wanted them focused on building new features. And it was so frustrating to be hassling with all of this uh, uh, monetization infrastructure. And so... So that, that's actually how I joined Revenue Cat was that I, I uh, came to Revenue Cat as a customer to help solve my subscription needs. And then one thing led to another and uh, I, I started working with Revenue Cat in 2019. And so Revenue Cat, as I've kind of alluded to already, um, we are a platform for subscription apps. So we provide uh, in-app uh, SDKs to actually manage the purchases. We provide uh, a sophisticated back end. Uh, and we work with some of the biggest apps in the app store. I mean, uh, Class Dojo and uh, Visco and uh, Cameo and, you know, some of these huge apps. So we do this at scale, but then also have very kind of generous plans for indie developers who are just getting started where it's actually free up until $10,000 of revenue. So anyway, so we we provide the the back end to uh, verify subscriptions. That's another thing I was doing in my apps, which is terrible. Any developers listening to this, uh, don't do this. We were doing local uh, uh, receipt verification on device, which is a security issue and like it has all sorts of problems. And it's part of why we had so many bugs. Uh, so Revenue Cat, we offer uh, uh, server side receipt validation. 
uh, all sorts of great integrations too. We also uh, push uh, subscription event data to all sorts of different integrations. So attribution uh, providers, uh, uh, analytics providers like Mixpanel, uh, CRM, and kind of push notification email like Intercom and OneSignal. Uh, so, so yeah, and then we have fantastic charts. We, we're really building out kind of an end-to-end -end solution for subscription apps to both manage transactions. And, and we also integrate with Stripe in addition to the App Store, Play Store, and Amazon App Store, and then have more uh, billing partner integrations coming. Uh, so really just a, a, you know, if you're building a subscription app, um, uh, you know, we, we provide the tools that you need to grow your business. Right. So you, you really know this, this part of the business from all angles, right? Saying from, yeah. <laughs> from having your own. So you definitely would, you would know a good product when you saw it, I'm sure. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and I still run my, my, uh, I have several apps still on the app store. So it's kind of fun working inside revenue cat while also being a revenue cat customer. I mean, I get the, I get the bill every month. I, I, you know, they offered me free access. So I was like, no, no, no. I want to like, experience it as a customer. So I, I actually pay for revenue cat every month, just like, you know, all of our customers do. Wow. Talk about an insider look. Wow. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. Um, so maybe just, you know, uh, maybe for some of us who are a little bit less familiar with the whole idea of in-app subscription um, and just how that can be leveraged to grow the business, right? Because with apps, that's kind of what you want to do is, is build and grow. So maybe just take us through some of the basics of in-app subscription and what we're looking at here. Sure. And in-app subscriptions kind of have an interesting history as well. Um, you know, when I, when I started on the app store, you could pretty much only, you, actually, you could only have a paid app or a free app and you couldn't even have in-app purchase. In-app purchase didn't come for a few years later. And then subscriptions didn't come for even a few years after that. Um, and then it wasn't until 2016 that Apple really kind of opened up uh, subscriptions to kind of a, to apps more broadly. Initially, it was only uh, content apps and and fitness apps kind of squeezed in there early, um, but but it's a it's a tremendous way to run a business because you're providing value to users over time, and with paid apps, Apple never created a great way, nor did Google to 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 uh, charge users for updates. So you know I had apps where I you know I charged ninety nine cents and then I updated them for years. Like my launch in a pro app, we had several sales where it was ninety nine cents. It was regularly like two ninety nine, and then like at some point we bumped it to four ninety nine. So I had people who paid me ninety nine cents up to only five dollars was the max price we ever had. And we delivered updates and worked on that app and provided support and had server infrastructure and everything else for, I mean, it's, it's been out a decade now. We launched it in, in uh, 2012. And um, so that, that's another app where I finally did put subscriptions in. And so, you know, as a software creator, uh, subscriptions are a great way to align your incentives with the, with the customer. So if you're not providing value to them over time, they're not going to want to pay a subscription. And that's where I don't think the subscription model actually fits for every single app. Um, but if you are delivering value over time and, and something that they care about and find valuable, they're going to stay subscribed. And then what that does is that gives you reliable revenue to, to continue enhancing and building. And, you know, for me, like with a weather app, you know, I have server costs and we're about to launch an Apple Watch application and uh, um, widgets uh, for the iPhone and, and iPad. And that gets 
really expensive because we pay for every weather data call and the watch and widgets are constantly pinging and getting updated because you want the freshest, you know, most recent uh, uh, forecast right there at, at a glance. Um, and so, you know, but, but even for apps that don't have those kind of ongoing costs that, that really require a subscription or you're going to go out of business, um, uh, you do have features that you want to build, you have customer support, you have all this stuff that um, the subscription model helps uh, developers just deliver better value to their customers over time. And I, I'm just seeing this more and more, you know, we're, we're still somewhat in the early days. You know, like I said, Apple really only opened up subscriptions more broadly in 2016. So we're only, um, what's that, like almost six years in um, of, of people starting to explore this more. And so we're starting to see some really incredible apps be built because of this subscription model. You know, a great example is uh, Photo Room, Revenue Cat customer. I had the founder on, on our podcast, the Subclub podcast. And it's, it's, it's incredible. Like you, and, and they do a really good job on onboarding too, where you launch the app and within a few seconds, they've fully removed the background, like, like better than I've ever done in Photoshop. And you can take your, your like product image or, you know, a lot of their customers are, are uh, Shopify sellers. And so you can take a random picture of some object and it fully removes the background, it corrects the lighting, and you can put it on a perfect backdrop and, and like create these amazing product shots right from your iPhone. Um, and so those kind of incredible tools, like you can't build that and sell it for 99 cents one time and then support them for a decade, you know? And so with the, uh, with subscription monetization, I, I know some people are still getting used to it and, and, you know, there is, you know, subscription fatigue and people like how many subscriptions am I going to subscribe to? But at the end of the day, if you're delivering true value to people, um, they're going to pay and, and they're going to stay subscribed. And that's one great thing about, you know, Apple and Google both make it super easy to turn off uh, the subscription and cancel it and get a refund even if, if you really didn't deliver for you. Um, and so, you know, customers, I think are getting more and more uh, um, comfortable with the subscription model because they know they can just cancel it as soon as they're not getting value. Um, so yeah, that's a, kind of a smattering of, of, uh, you know, I, I work for revenue cat. I have subscription apps, so I'm obviously a, a bit biased, but I, I think it's just a fantastic model for, for building software. So you, you kind of touched on that. It might not be the right thing for everyone. So from a business model perspective, is subscription app always the way to go or what are kind of some considerations that, um, some things that should yeah. be taken into consideration from like the app point of view? Yeah. So, and, and again, you know, being <laughs> Mr. Uh, subscription apps, you probably wouldn't expect me to say this, but, but yeah, I really genuinely don't think every app should move to subscription, you know, in, in part, because like what I was saying earlier is, is if, if, if somebody uses 30 apps a month on their phone and they have 30 different subscriptions, like that just is, is untenable for most consumers. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think we, we all need to be thoughtful about kind of having a blend of revenue model, even in the subscription app. So, you know, for example, you know, we, we try to have a very generous free tier in my weather app. So, you know, there's people who don't need widgets or complications on their, on their, on their Apple watch. And that's the most expensive thing for us to provide and where I think we deliver the most value. Um, but, but we let you use the, the app for free. So you can use the app and we actually are even removing ads. 
Um, and so I think even subscription apps need to find that, that sweet spot of, you know, and, and this isn't going to work for every app, you know, if there are costs or, or for other reasons, but, uh, you know, if you can offer a free tier that does deliver value and either monetizes through ads or just doesn't monetize at all, but, but you have enough paying users to offset that, I think giving that value for free, one is, is a great way to build those habits and have people still use the app, even if they don't find enough value to pay. Uh, so even in subscriptions, I think there's a blend. And then I think there are just, there, there are a lot of apps, you know, if it's, if it's kind of a one-time utility, if it's a simple thing that, that it doesn't require a lot of ongoing, um, um, you know, new features and stuff like that. I think there's kind of simple utilities and things like that, that probably don't make sense as, as a subscription. And, and those are the kind of apps that, you know, consumers do kind of revolt on and you'll get, you know, more bad reviews and stuff like, why the heck, you know, like I had, uh, I used to have this mirror app. And all it was, was it like took the front facing camera of the phone and you could like check your teeth or put on makeup or whatever. Um, you know, all told it was maybe like 80 hours of, of programming, very minimal customer support, no server side stuff, you know, very simple app. And, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to charge, you know, five, even five bucks a year to get access to that. It's like, you know, so in that app, and again, I sold it a few years ago, but there's ads that, that monetize. And if you want to remove the ads, it's a one-time purchase. And that, you know, that has wildly compensated me more than, than I ever invested into that app. It was just, it was kind of a total fluke, but, um, so yeah, I think, I think for some, you know, more simple utilities and stuff like that, either some combination of paid up front or kind of ad monetization with a option to just disable ads permanently at a, at a reasonable rate. I think that can absolutely make sense for some apps still in 2022. Yeah. So, you know, and we also just, also talking about the different types, like how, how do you know what's working? You know, we talk a lot about testing, A-B testing for creative and for all of that. So for subscriptions and for this type, is there such a thing as testing? Like, what do you do? How do you know what's working? Yeah, that's a, that's a can of worms. Um, you know, it really, it really depends on what stage you're at. Um, the, you know, the advice I give to early stage folks is that you don't need to do A-B testing. You don't need to have sophisticated setup. You don't need to pay some service, you know, um, thousands of dollars a month when you only have a few thousand customers. So early on, and, and again, I'll, I'll actually talk uh, about photo room, um, they, they went to McDonald's and paid for a burger uh, for folks to check out the app. And so they actually did like in-person user testing to see where people were having challenges with the onboarding. And that's what actually kind of led them to do that magical onboarding I was talking about earlier, where it's just a few taps to get you to this like great experience. So I think early on, you really need to rely more on user testing on, you know, some minimal analytics. Like you want to see where people are getting stuck in the app, where people are dropping off and things like that. Um, but, but um uh, Darius Mora from uh, Reflectly, I ha had him on, on the Subclub podcast uh, a while back and, and he shared their strategy early on was make, take big bets was, you know, every week they would make some big changes. Like they would completely change the onboarding or they would, you know, add a huge new feature or, or you know, make big bets and look for big results. Um, and once you start to hit product market fit, you'll see it like, you know, people will retain better. People will, 
um, uh, be engaging with the app more. They'll, they'll finish your onboarding. They'll, uh, you know, actually start experiencing the product. And, and until you've gotten to that point and started to scale, you know, I, I hear a lot of people, you know, wanting to do price testing or paywall testing or these kind of things. And, and they think, well, if, if, uh, you know, if I can get a 10 and realistically, like it's hard to get more than like a 10, 20% improvement, unless you take a big bet. But if you're just like changing colors and changing wording, like you're lucky to get a 10%. And when you haven't hit product market fit and you don't have tens of thousands of customers coming in, you know, those little tiny improvements aren't, aren't getting you to product market fit faster. You need to take the big bets, make big changes and, and don't, don't waste your engineering time trying to get really sophisticated about infrastructure. Now, as you grow and you, you know, you have some level of product market fit, people are retaining, you know, people are enjoying the app, you know, you see in your user testing that, that things are going well, that's when you can start to layer on things. And then, you know, once you're at scale, you know, some of these bigger companies um, like Calm and Headspace and Visco and all these, it's like, then you do an A-B test and you get a, a 5% lift and that's huge at their scale. You know, it can be millions of dollars a year by just getting these incremental improvements. So, so yeah, my, my advice on that is, 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 to, is to kind of recognize the scale you're at and, and don't waste engineering resources that could go toward building value for your customers uh, and waste it on, you know, infrastructure and, and trying to be super sophisticated about A-B tests and price testing and all these kind of things. Because uh, early on, it's all about delivering value. And, th and that's another thing too, is like early on, it doesn't even necessarily matter what your price is. Like if people are willing to pay, that's a signal. Because whether it's 99 cents a month or 9.99 a month, if somebody's willing to pay you something, you're, you're headed the right direction. And 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 you know one of the things I, I uh, had a tweet storm about this recently. I I, I genuinely think paywalls are, are less important than a lot of people think. Like your product needs to be what makes them decide to subscribe, not your paywall. If you're relying on your paywall to sell the app, you're 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 doing it wrong. And, and the example I love to give is, uh, is calm is, you know, when you tap a button that says LeBron James's pregame meditation, you know, it's not the paywall that's selling you, you know, it's, it's a button that says, you know, Matthew McConaughey reads me to sleep. It's, you know, these celebrity endorsements, it's the, you're bought into meditation and you're bought into the quality, you're bought into everything before you even hit the paywall. And that's where, you know, calms paywall for like, eight years was this super simple thing that a lot of people copied, but what they weren't copying was what was happening before the paywall. So focus on like delivering value to customers and then getting to them to that value. And, and that's what you need to do early on versus like trying to, you know, do these crazy AB tests and stuff. That, that thing, that's great advice, super valuable. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, so so much of the time it's like there's so many things to think about when at the end right. of the day you have to make sure that product is right and it's you have the right customers. So I think everything you said is is really helpful to kind of like reel it in, right? Like yep. where before you start thinking about all these different things, like where are you? How big are you? Where do you want to go? So um, that was great advice. Um, I want to talk a little bit now, kind of about the the future of subscription apps because that is you know the trend a lot more. Uh, apps going subscription based. So how do you see that evolving or 
or ramping up as, as we move into 2022 and even beyond? Yeah, I, I think, again, I mean, I'm kind of a bull on the subscription app trend. Um, but again, you know, what, what I've seen, um, I mean, even in the, the apps that I use personally, but then especially like, you know, with our customers at Revenue Cat, who I, you know, interact with frequently, um, it just feels like we're just getting going of, of what can be built, you know, uh, like the example I used earlier, Photo Room, that helps people um, Shopify sellers. Like they, they started out as this general tool, but they realized like they really deliver value to people who sell things on, on uh, Shopify and other stores because it, it just, it's saving you time and money and helping you make more money by having these amazing product shots. And so like, I, like I never would have thought, you know, a few years ago that a, that a tool like that would be such a valuable business, but what they're doing is they're finding a niche in that in a market and delivering incredible value to them. And so I think what we're gonna see is more and more of those kind of products um, take off over time um, of finding places where, where you can deliver value to folks. And, and an interesting thing too, is that I think a lot of people don't, don't realize is, you know, saving people money is not the only way do you deliver value. You know, entertainment is value. Um, you know, assisting in hobbies. Another uh, app I love to to talk about is Fishbrain. Um, you know, they it's a it's a fishing app, and you would think like, oh, fishing app. What what like it's an incredible business in part because they are in a hobby where people spend thousands of dollars going on fishing trips. They spend tens of thousands of dollars on boats. They spend you know so much money on fishing equipment, and they spend so much time out on the lake, out on the river, out on the uh, in the ocean and stuff. And so, what they've done is they've built this tool that's really valuable to people in that hobby where they already spend a lot of money. And so, the the price comparison for uh, uh, this app that's like I think it's like sixty bucks a year or something. It's like that's not even like a, a new fishing reel, you know. <laughs> and if it actually enhances that experience of going fishing, so I think there's like there's just so much opportunity here to deliver value. It's like we've got these amazing little supercomputers in our pocket, and there's just so much more that can be done than you know. Uh, doom scrolling Twitter and, you know, talking to your grandma on Facebook. Um, and so I, I think that's what we're going to see in the coming years is like all these different um, niches and different hobbies and different um, ways that people can find value through software. Um, I think we're going to just see all sorts of apps built around that and that the subscription model is going to enable that. Cause again, like you just, you can't build a business selling 99 cent apps. Like I tried, <laughs> I did it for a while and it worked for a little bit, but you know, I, I never made that much money and, and had to hire contractors. I never made enough to even hire an employee. It's just, it was a, it was a, it was a tough way to run software and with subscriptions and having that reliable revenue and, and having people willing to pay more when you're really delivering value. Uh, I just, I think we're going to see some really exciting apps over the next decade. I think that's interesting that you're, you're mentioning of the, the niche thing, because it's true when people are really interested in something, they are more willing to pay for it. Like, you know, with people with their pets, you know, and I mean, yeah. they always say like, if you want to make money, you either market to pets or to babies. Cause like yeah. when it comes to that, people just really, they're willing to spend. So I yeah. think it's interesting that you say that 
it will probably go more niche and address yeah. very specific um, needs and interests that people have. It's just a matter of discovering what those are and being the best at it, right? Yeah, and then I, there's so many other experiences too that I don't feel like we even have good apps for yet. You know, like um, like restaurants, you have Google reviews and you have Yelp reviews and it's kind of like, oh, come on. Like, you know, can't rely on them half the time. They don't really like enhance your dining experience. I think we're gonna see a subscription app in the foodie realm of like, you know, people, you spend, you know, hundreds of dollars out on a, on a nice dinner. And, you know, I, I love, you know, trying new restaurants when I'm in new, new uh, cities and stuff. And I, I just, I don't feel like there's a great app for like exploring food in a, in a city. Um, you know, Yelp just leaves so much to be desired. I would love to see a subscription app in that realm that I could, you know, pay 50 bucks a year for. And again, it's like, if I spend, you know, thousands of dollars a year eating out and it costs me 50 bucks to, you know, find better restaurants and know what to order on the menu or things like that. Like I just think there's so many experiences that software can add value that these, that, that, that the current wave of apps has left a lot on the table. You know, there's just so much, uh, you know, the Yelps and, and Google reviews and things like that don't do well that I think, you know, are really, could be really valuable to people. And, and so, yeah, I think there's so many opportunities. Um, well, as we wrap this up, David, I just kind of, um, you've already given a ton of great advice and suggestions, but, you know, maybe for people who are listening and they just kind of want to take that little final nugget of wisdom away from you. What's that little bit of advice that you would give to someone who's, you know, really at a stage where they just want to take it to the next level or, you know, what's, what's it going to take? Um, you know, one, one piece of advice I've been giving a lot lately is to, you know, with, with app trench, app tracking transparency and kind of all, all that's been kind of going on in, in, uh, ad targeting and and marketing analytics and things like that. Um, you know, two years ago, if you could you know scale up on Facebook ads, that that was just the way to go because they were so amazing at uh, at targeting users and um, you had such accurate ways to measure it. And their you know algorithms were so amazing at, at doing that. But a lot of those apps are really struggling right now. Who got over reliant on on Facebook ads uh, specifically, but you know Instagram and Google and and other you know of these big ad platforms. Um, so advice I've been giving a lot lately is is just explore opportunities to market in unique ways. Uh, and and again, another example from the podcast, um, I talked to to um, the founder of the Greg app, uh, Alex Ross. He used to be at, at Tinder. And, you know, was part of their, you know, huge growth. And so when he founded this company, uh, Greg, it, it, it's an app for plant care. And, um, and, and they, he sat down with his team and, and, and thought through, like, how do we reach our, who is our ideal customer and how do we reach them cost effectively? Like, what marketing channels can we explore? So instead of just saying like, oh yeah, let's put, you know, hundred grand into Facebook ads and like figure it out you know, they went back and like kind of did the like fundamentals of marketing and what they figured out, which is like so obvious in hindsight, but it's just so brilliant that they actually did it and, and came up with it was that they started um, partnering with nurseries to put a postcard in with the purchase of every plant that said, hey, you know, you've just purchased a plant, like, you know, 
uh, make sure it it thrives and and Greg can help you do that. I, I don't know exactly the marketing copy, but it's something along those lines. And what was so incredible about that was that it it, it was such a win-win because for the nurseries, like they want people to have a, a success with their product. They don't want to get in return. Uh, and then they want people to buy more plants. And so the happier folks are with their plant, the more their plants thrive, the more plants they're going to buy. And Greg can help with that. Um, and so it was such a win-win and that, that has delivered tens of thousands of users. Now they're still working on paid marketing and are, and, uh, are going to spend a ton on marketing, but finding those kind of channels where you can like really cost effectively get that attention um, is something worth exploring. It's not going to work for every app. There's not always those like perfect synergies, but if you, you know, kind of go back to the fundamentals of marketing and think, how can we get attention for this app um, in, in more cost-effective ways versus just throwing money into the big app platforms? Uh, I think every app will benefit from going through that exercise, even if you don't find, you know, this perfect fit. Fantastic. I, I don't think we've received um, that bit of advice yet from any of our guests. So that's, that's, that's great to hear. And I think that's a really wise because yeah, people do kind of obsess over the big ones. Right. But like yeah. you said, kind of bring it, bring it back to basics, being creative and creating that win-win. So David, I thank you so much for your time and you're obviously a, a wealth of information. So um, hopefully we can, we can have you back one day and, and keep talking through some of these interesting topics. But for now, I would like to thank you for being with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Thanks, David. Thank you so much for tuning into the App Growth Show today. We hope you were able to take away some actionable insights on how to increase in-app purchases, whether through a subscription-based model or other monetization strategies. If you found today's episode to be helpful, please visit appgrowthnetwork.com and book your free call with us today to supercharge your mobile growth. See you in the next episode. Bye for now. <laughs>